Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Proper Class Podcast. I'm Laura Checkley and I'm Hannah Chiswick and we are of course here to celebrate all things working class because all together now if we don't who will? Thanks for joining in I didn't think you were going to then. Well I didn't know I was going to but I tried. (laughs) As always we sit down with a working class hero to celebrate their life and achievements and discuss just how they got to where they are today and on that note who are we celebrating this week Laura? Well, Han, as you know, I'm a huge footy fan, so I could not be more excited to introduce this week's guest. She is a professional footballer and TV pundit, and let me tell you, has been busy smashing through many a glass ceiling, both on and off the pitch for years now. An unbelievably talented forward, she started her career at Arsenal, where amongst many trophy wins, she was one of their top scorers, scoring a mahoosive 40 goals in 41 appearances. She went on to play for Chelsea, Juventus, and even moved across the pond to show them how it's all done in America. After playing for England's under-15s and 21s, she finally got the call up in 2006 to play for England's first team, where she came straight off the bench to hit the crossbar from 25 yards out. Do you know what you just said then? Because I wrote that. No, I know, and I feel that's the coolest I've ever felt. Thanks oh, so you know writing. what that means? Oh, it's pretty impressive anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she then went on to gain an incredible 50 caps for England, and amongst the many memorable goals she has scored, I bet one of the sweetest must have been scoring the winning penalty that gained England their third place <laughs> in the 2015 Women's World Cup. Listeners, please give it up for the multi-talented, multi-championship winning Leanne Sanderson. Woo! How was that? It's like this is your life. That was an amazing intro. Um, I'm not being called a uh, working class hero before. I like that new uh, terminology. Really yeah. good bio. But you Made are. me feel good about myself. But you are. You know, I grew up watching a lot of football as a kid. I used to play for Junior Bees, Brentford, when I was younger. And um, I've always been invested in women's football. And I think you've just been smashing it on and off the pitch. Like I said, you know, like just a huge hero, I think, for young girls wanting to play football you know yeah and it's so amazing to see you now on the panel with the fellas being a tv pundit because really there's alex scott you there's a couple of others but not enough right not enough women no no i was thinking when you just to go back to the bar as well i'm still fuming that i hit the crossbar on my yeah, England right. debut when i was 16 <laughs> it was the only thing the goalkeeper saved that day and she tipped it onto the crossbar i couldn't believe it yeah, i remember right. it like it was yesterday actually but um yeah it, it's great because i think you know i've transitioned into this i haven't actually officially retired but kind of like I absolutely love the TV work and the radio work that I'm doing I get to work with some amazing people like yourselves Mm. Um, and it's great you know and it is it's true the visibility of being a female and and stuff like that is so important for young girls to see because 
for me growing up, there wasn't really any female role models, especially yeah. footballers. And, yeah. you know, I used to want to be Eric Cantona. I used to want to be David Beckham. And I only ever had male. Um, I, obviously, I love Serena Williams and Venus Williams, but they played tennis. Yeah. So it was a little bit different. Um, but I think the great thing is now young girls, even boys can look up to, you know, the lionesses and people like myself and think, you know, she's on TV amongst the men doing that. And she's not doing it because she's a girl. She's doing it because she's good at her job. And exactly. I think that's yeah. the most important thing that I always talk about, that I don't want to be picked because I'm ticking boxes. I want to be picked because I'm good. And I think the thing that people don't see, I mean, you guys work in TV and stuff like that. You know that you are getting critiqued by producers. Yeah. You're getting critiqued by people. If you're not doing something right, then they're going to tell you. So, you know, it's not all like a bed of roses. I get told, oh, Leanne, you know, doing amazing just maybe slow down on your speaking. So, yeah. you know, because I speak quite fast. Just small things like that. But I don't think people realise it. It is a job. And a lot of the stuff that I do, and I don't even know if I, why I call it a job because I feel like I'm doing my dream job. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a high-pressure situation. You know, yeah. I'm doing, everything I do is live TV. Yeah. And I thought that to myself yesterday. I was sitting in bed and I thought, wow, like I, I, I've, done, I've done so amazing this week. And I, I think it's important to reflect. And I think all the stuff I'm doing is live. So yeah. it feels more pressure. But I love it. I absolutely love pressure. But you don't realise that when you have that one day off, which as you know, you then have a chance to really decompress and breathe because mm. it's always in the back of your mind and the front of your mind. Yeah. You know, I've got a big show coming up on Thursday and even though I don't really get really nervous, I get more excited. It's always on your mind. It's a so real it pressure nice. though, isn't it, to go live? You know, I'm an actor, so I can go again. If I if I balls up a line, I can just go again. On live TV, you can't you can't fuck up you've got a no. you know it's like so the pressure is huge but that's the athlete in you and the competitive side that's probably why you love it and thrive off it yeah and I think because you're talking about football and you know as a woman and this is the truth every word that I say yeah. can be hung on to in a different way 100%. it will be if a male says it 100%. so you have to be even better I mean that's how it is anyway yeah but you never used to see women on Sky Sports News 10 never, years ago really, really. only presenters and, and stuff like that maybe the odd few but now it, it's great because there's more visibility and mm-hmm. you know and I have to really make sure I, I'm choosing my words fine because as soon as I say something wrong it's trending on Twitter or yeah. I'll get people coming after me and it might just be a mispronunciation of a of a player but someone else has done the same thing as a male and, yeah. it, and it doesn't matter so but it's the like it's the world we live in and it is what it is and I love what I do really yeah it's amazing So, Leanne, we start each week asking our guests to take us back to a place and a time that has some meaning to them, somewhere that has a connection to their working class roots. So if you were able to go back today, where would you take us? It's, 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 it's interesting because I have so many amazing memories growing up, like South East London, around um, Sydney, where my nan lives. And my nan lived in a um, tall block of flats. And I used to go out there with my uncle and practice and there used to be this, pa- there's still this patch of grass there now, but it's covered in grass now. It used to be covered in mud because we'd be on there every day just like <laughs> hammering the grass. And now it's weird when I go around there and I'm like, this is so strange that there's grass there. I've never seen the pitch like this before. I used to say to my uncle, oh, Uncle David, can you kick the ball higher than the flats? And I used to think it was so cool. I was only five years old. And it's funny now because obviously um, he says to me, oh, you're much better than me now. I used to practice kick-ups and, you know, I used to, couldn't do any kick-ups. He used to kick the ball and I used to think it was so cool that he could mm-hmm. do it. And I, and I used to do five, then I would do 10. I'd be like, oh, Uncle David, I really want to do more. And I think when I go back there now and I think to myself, wow, like how far I've come that now I'm looking at the flats and I'm thinking, God, I never used to be able to kick the ball higher than this block of flats and look how my career has <laughs> taken me. That's amazing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. when I go there, I'm like, wow. And it's quite sad because no one plays football around the area. Yeah. Anymore. I'm sure. They're I'm sure they're it on FIFA instead. They're playing it on the PlayStation instead. Yeah. 
But I'm sure the neighbours love it now because it's a bit quieter. But I think it's also a little bit sad because I think the neighbours mm. used to look out their windows. Like my nan used to watch from her window. Yeah. And if someone did a bad tackle on me, she'd be like, Oi, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so those are the memories that I have. And also going to my dad's Sunday. My dad used to play football. He played for Crystal Palace in South End. But as he got older, he played for like the local Sunday league team of all of these mates that he grew up with and stuff like that. And I used to wait. For, I could not wait for that halftime whistle to go. Me and my mates used to run on the pitch at halftime and just go and kick the ball in the back of the net until they were doing their halftime team talk. And those are the things that like I remember nostalgia at its finest because they're things that have stayed with me. And if when I see those people now randomly walking down the street, I remember those moments. Yeah. And they really, they really framed me who I am because... We would be like, my mum and dad are not really big drinkers, but I used to make them stay at the pub after the game just so I could play football with the kids outside until it got dark. And I was always one of the kids that had to come in when it got dark. And I never understood that when I was a kid. I'd be like, oh, but mum, all the other kids are staying up. But now I understand it because yeah. I'd be exactly the same with my niece and my cousin. But at the time, I never thought that. But I just think those situations really um, shaped me as a person because yeah. I often see the people now and they, they say to me, oh, do you remember me? And I'm thinking why wouldn't I remember you? I've known you since I was six years old. Like, it, yeah. Just because I've played for England and because I've played for Arsenal and all that. Why? But I guess some people just forget their roots and where they're from. But, you know, I still take the bus. I'll still take the train. Yeah. Like, I'm not someone that thinks I'm better than anybody. And I think that's what people can relate to me about. I'm very relatable because I don't get carried yeah. away. Yeah. I'm always very humble. I'm not saying I'm the best thing since like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm this, I'm that. But I'm very um, approachable. So, you know, sometimes people come up to my mum and they'll say to her, because my mum, I call her like the local community support officer. Everyone <laughs> knows my mum around my mum and dad's area, around South East London. And like, they say, she says, no, I saw so-and-so the other day. And they told me to say hello. And I said, mum, I just saw him the other day. And they just kind of blanked me. She went, oh, I didn't know it was you. And I'm thinking, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's weird. So people will often go through my mum and say things. and But it's lovely. Like, when I go to my mum and dad's, because um, I've lived in America for 10 years, when I come home, it's very nice because... People just treat me like me. Yeah, They're not course. like, oh, and I, my mum and, da and dad's best friends own the local calf. Yeah. So it's great. So I am a proud South East Londoner as well. And uh, so you grew up in Lewisham and uh, I grew up in Greenwich, which everyone now thinks is really, really posh. But it yeah. was not posh when I grew up at all. And um, what was school like for you? Where did you go to school? What was it like? Did you have a good time at school? Or Yeah, it's funny because um, people used to call me a bit of a, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, because I went, I went, I lived in Lewis and went to a Bromley school. Right. So it was almost like a, not a rivalry, but when you do school, yeah, yeah. you only play for your borough. Yeah. So we used to do this thing called the London Heathrow Games, the London Youth Games. It's at Crystal Palace. It's a very, the best youth games you could do in London. And I used to be playing against Lewisham. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Because I went to school. It went by your school. So people used to be like, why is she playing for Bromley when she went to, when she's from Lewisham? It went up on your school. So I went to a Lewisham school, Hazeltine, just down in Lower Sydenham. And then my mum changed my school because she felt like a better school was Worsley Bridge in Beckenham. And, you know, she wanted me to kind of have a separation from football and have a little bit more balance. And I didn't want to go to a Bromley school, but honestly, again, it was the best decision my mum and dad ever made because it was not far. It was literally just five yeah, minutes yeah. down the road, but it was different. It was very different. I feel like it was a big step for my mum and dad to, to have moved schools because it was a better school. Um, and then I went both my schools, my secondary school as well. It's now called Harris Academy because all the schools in London are called oh, Harris yeah, Academy, know, yeah. um, which I don't really, it's great because it's more, you know, now they built a gym when I left school. Now they beat a, built a 3G pitch at my secondary school. And wow. I went to an all girls school and no one ever wanted to do PE. 
They used to say, oh, I've got period pains or I've got blisters. <laughs> so me and my best mate would be the only ones. What can you do with two people, really? Like badminton? Like, yeah, yeah. so the girls used to be like, oh, no, not PE. Whereas, like, I'd have been buzzing if we had a um, gym and a, yeah, a free gym. Oh but they built it when I left. But, yeah, but, so I went to school in Bromley. When I went to school, because obviously I was super into football growing up, I spent a lot of time just wanting playtime to come all the time because I just wanted to get out and play football. Play. And we never had a football pitch. We had like red grass. <laughs> really, I was just sliding oh about God. all over oh, the place. But just I know what you mean. That's how friction I... burns on. And yeah, it's means. awful. Yeah. yeah, it's just like stones. I've seen like... that for years. Yeah, and if you run fast, <laughs> you get a bit of, you know, a bit of dust behind you. It's like brilliant. Yeah. But um, when I, I, I would live for playtime and I wasn't hugely academic and football, actually, I went to a really rough school in Hounslow. And football sort of was my solace. It kind of gave me a place. And how did you find that in a girls' school? Because you said you went to a girls' school, right? How was yeah. that going and playing? Did, were you able to play football in your break time if the girls weren't up for it? Or how was it? No, that that's funny because it's funny you should say that. Because again, I was a bit, I kicked off a little bit when my mum and dad wanted to send me to an all-girls school. Yeah, right. And, um, but my sister went there and then my niece went there after me. And, and again, like, it was such a great decision from my mum and dad because I'm still best friends. Like, I've still got my best friends from the first day of year seven of secondary mm-hmm. school. We're still best friends now. You know, um, 20 years later, it feels weird saying 20 years later. Oh, no, I thought, don't I don't stop. Like, oh, oh my no. God, I'm 33. But um, yeah, and to be fair, the fact I went to an all-girls school, it wasn't that people didn't care, but they didn't realise how big of a do it was I was playing in an FA Cup final she and how did. big of a do it was I was playing in the World Cup. They just loved me for me. And that felt quite nice that like, they cared because I used to cringe sometimes. I'd be in um, tutor time and they'd do the tannoy, you know, the tannoy over the thing. And they'd be like, an announcement coming today is that we have our very own Leanne Sarnison that won the FA Cup final yesterday. And the girls like going, really like cheering. Wow. But I used to think, oh, no, because you're a little bit apprehensive because I was lucky that no one got jealous yeah. and no one resented me because I had that in the back of my mind. I thought, because you know what women can be like, we can be quite, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. people can be very much like not, want women to succeed and I yeah. thought I didn't want to seem like I was being given favoritism but honestly like the school that I went to was brilliant because it just gave me that balance and they didn't have a girls football team until I went there there wasn't even in the playground it was very much you know like you can picture like a brick building like the old school schools where yeah. it's like a brick school no no play um play area but not a football pitch yeah whereas cool. in my primary school we had a football pitch so right. and then um they we had a football team we ended up playing at Wembley like literally they just used to give me the ball it was so funny I cringe now and I used to run from one end of the pitch to the other with the ball and just score and I would never <laughs> have done that when I played for Arsenal because they'd say oh you're ball greedy or a ball hob but my teammates was like just go just go yeah and then I'd get to the other end and score and be absolutely shattered but um again yeah it was it was great because Funny story, the boys from the other school, you know, if I went to an all-girls school, the boys used to be outside, the girls used to be out the window, like, oh. And um, it was funny, and all the boys used to come, and they say, oh, there's Leanne that plays for Arsenal. Like, it wasn't, you know what I mean? And that's when I think the girls realised what I was doing was quite a big deal, because they used to be like, oh, can we get your autographs? I I used to cringe, but they were actually being serious. And some of the boys used to come from the other secondary school to see me, because a lot of them supported Arsenal. It is a big deal, but I think it was good that... You know, my mates even message me now. They're like, I don't know what you're saying on Sky Sports News, but you look good and you sound like you know what you're talking about. And they are supportive, but some of them just are not into football. They yeah. come to my games. They love it. Yeah. You know, it's they, quite they a do. nice thing that, isn't it? Having those friends who have gone through everything with you, but aren't over like awed by what you're doing with your life. I think we all need that, don't we? The people you yeah. hold on to your friends from your childhood who know who 
you for years and just like you for you. Where did your obsession start with football? Obviously, you said your dad was a footballer. Um, Was it just there from whenever you can remember? Was it just an, or was it growing up watching your dad and then the obsession grew? I think subconsciously, I was going to games when I was in my mum's stomach. Mm-hmm. And so genuinely, like I was in, when I look at pictures, I'm in the pram next to the pitch with my mum and my dad was playing. And I think it just was one of those things. And this goes back to like nature versus nurture, doesn't it? Where mm. I think it's in my blood from, you know, my mum is more obsessed with football than me and my dad probably put together, if that's possible. <laughs> like my mum could have probably been a football scout. She knows her stuff. She never Amazing. played. She never played. But um, she's just so knowledgeable about football. Wow. Same as my dad. So I think it helped that I was good at football. And it also helped that I had a supportive family to do that because you don't realise the sacrifices your parents make. You think when you're a kid, they're supposed to do that. They're your mum and dad. But as I've got older, I think, wow, my mum and dad used to drive all the way from South East London. Anyone that knows the M- M25 traffic or the M11 traffic will know. Sometimes it takes us two and a half hours to get to Watford or like St Albans for like a 15-minute game because <laughs> I wasn't old enough to be playing 11 aside yet. Yeah. Playing for Arsenal. And sometimes if my dad had a game, my mum would get on the train with me. She was the kit manager of our team. She'd have the big, massive uh, kit bag. and But it felt normal then. And no one yeah. ever complained. It was one of those things like my dad changed around these times at work. He used to work nights. He works for a law firm and he used to work nights so he could take me to training. Yeah. But at the time I was grateful. But it's not until you get older that you realise, wow, like yeah, my mum and dad sacrificed so much to, for me. And I've seen teammates that haven't succeeded mm-hmm. based upon when you're seven years old, you can't get in a car yourself and drive yourself, can you? No. So you need your parents to be able to do that. So I've seen teammates of mine that have not really succeeded because they haven't had the support that that, that I've had. That that brings me on to the next sort of question. Um, obviously, women's football, right, has moved on mountains. We've seen that over the years and it's gaining, and it's gained so much respect, especially with the WSL, which is the Women's Super League. And did you know that? I did, actually. Oh, all right. I'll shut up. You do know your stuff. Oh, well done. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, now with the addition of the recent Sky deal, um, it will obviously bring more money, more punters. What was it like for you guys, though, who have effectively paved the way? Was there Was there money in it back then for you? Because I remember it not having any money, which is why I gave it up when I was young. Because my mum was like, go do your acting, do that. Because I had it all Mm -hmm. going on. I was playing for Brentford Juniors. And my mum said, I just don't think there's money there for you, Laura. There's not a future in women's football. Mm -hmm. And she was right, though, at that time. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. she was right because it's true. It's one of those things where it's a weird one because from the age of five, I always knew I wanted to be a professional footballer. And there wasn't even a professional league. I used to say, I'm going to be a professional footballer. And some people used to say, yeah, all right, Leanne. Then even got a women's team. And I just knew. But I think, you know, I think I've had the best of both worlds because I feel sorry for the players that have paved the way, you know, the played for England 30 years ago yeah. that have, not, have kind of been forgotten about. And, and I do sometimes see that on social media with regards to how they might be feeling because yeah. it would feel a little bit hard done by. But at the same time, I think I have been able to reap the benefits. And I think for me, you know, I was the first ever openly gay footballer in England. There's all these things that I've done to trailblaze as well that have helped more people than you realise. But I remember um, one of the girls was saying before that when they didn't get picked for an England squad, they would make more money doing the punditry on the sideline during a World Cup or a European Championship. And I used to think that can't be right. And now that I've transitioned into TV and radio, it's absolutely right because mm-hmm. I've, I've not, I wouldn't say I've struggled because I'm not going to sit here and say that. I was very fortunate that from the age of 14, I was able to get paid expenses by Arsenal when they looked after me. You know, that was really nice. But 
I think there comes a point in your life where you think I want things like a house. I want to yeah. get have a family. I want to have money. And it's yeah. like, how am I going to do that with a career that only pays me a certain amount of money a year? And, you know, it's not all about money. I've chosen my happiness over money all the time. Yeah. Do, and it's been detrimental to me. You know, you think so far, oh, maybe that wasn't a good decision, but whatever, <laughs> I'm happy. Um, but in America, for example, the league works six months on and six months off. Wow. And for the other six months, you don't get paid. Oh, wow. So That's still the case now? um, Yes. Wow. Not not everybody. If you're an allocated player, which is a national team player, then you get a full-time contract. Right. So the England players in England as well get a full-time contract. So they'll be paid. And that's a good thing about Europe. You get paid all year round. Same as when I went to Italy. And it's not like in that six months, they'll pay you 150 grand. You know what I mean? If they paid you a big sum in six months, then you're able to survive the next six months. But it's one of those things where they'll pay you like a certain amount of money in the six months. And that's why players go to Japan or Australia yes. or and they go and because they need to keep playing and then some people have got kids and and I think a big factor for me was when I got injured four years ago and I was literally at rock bottom like financially mentally everything because I didn't get paid for a year and a half yeah. so even though I had savings from the world cup and stuff I thought wow and then it made me reassess things I started to set different goals I set financial goals and you know thankfully I had my mum and dad that, that could help me and stuff like that but you think to yourself I've given my life to this career and now I'm injured no one wants me no one wants to sign me and what am I going to do so I think I started to make different decisions that was like with my head as opposed to my heart mm. and now I'm not playing football I'm in the most financial stable I've ever been which is sad it's isn't it it's really yeah, sad. you'd think by being a professional footballer that you would be in a more financial stable situation but you make more money from doing TV and radio work. And that's not why I'm doing it, because that's not the reason. But there comes a point where you're like, actually, how am I going to save for the future? Because it's great when a team is giving you accommodation. Don't get me wrong. A lot of teams give you a house, an apartment. But as soon as you live, live, you got to live. You don't yeah. get that apartment. Do you know what I mean? And like, you've not you earned the money that the men would be. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously football such a working class sport and also feels like a sport that working class people can play as well because you just need a ball and somewhere to play but it's so awful isn't it that like for working class women that it doesn't have the security that obviously it has for working class men going into the sport like yeah Yeah. no it's true I I think that we have to be also grateful and positive grateful is maybe not the right word that the game has progressed so, so much, much like, yeah. you're talking when I first went into Arsenal first team there was one game on a year and that was the FA Cup final That's mad, and everybody won, I won the FA Cup final five times but out of all of them there, that was the only game that was on TV yeah and I actually got drafted to America based upon that one game because they showed it I think they obviously did more research but they said they saw me in the FA Cup final when they showed it in America and I actually got picked to go to play in America then yeah. so the impact of TV and Mm-hmm. The commercial side is, is so big. And I've always said, if you promote something, like I love Beyonce, I'm not going to go and stand at the O2 Arena and wait for Beyonce to come and hope she comes. I'll go when yeah. I see it advertised, won't I? Sure. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. It sounds silly, but when I'm thinking to myself, there's a massive game, like when we played at Wembley, we played in front of 75,000 people against Germany, promoted it, it was everywhere. Then on the Sunday, we went back to play at Bournemouth and it was 500 people there. Mad. And I'm grateful for the 500 people that did turn up. But I used to think, where's everybody gone? Like yeah. people loved yeah. it. They yeah. meet the players. They, they seem to love it. And then it's like, because it's not promoted. So the good thing is now 
Now Sky have got the rights. Now BBC, they're going to be showing the games. It just brings more publicity. Of and with that revenue, endorsement. So I think now people have realised there is money in the women's game. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the girls now make a very good amount of money. They really do. And yes, they should be making more, shouldn't we? Yeah, Based upon the, way the, the men, same, the same. But it's all small steps at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be realistic to where we're at at this moment in time. So yeah. the fact that some players are able to make, you know, six-figure salaries, 10 years ago, people were still working part-time in a supermarket or yeah. working I in a I remember watching an England game yonks ago now. You might have even been it, I don't know. But I remember the commentator saying, oh, she works, you know, paint and decorate at the same time. I don't know who it was. It mm-hmm. was so, and I was like, Wow. Yeah. And they're playing for England, but yet she's got to go off and do a normal job. I say normal, you know, another job be- yeah. just to support the football. No, you it's know. true. A couple of my teammates before were electrician and um, yeah. and some of the girls at Arsenal used to work at Arsenal, right? All day work at the office and then playing a Champions League game that night. Mm. Be like the liaison officer for that game and, and then figure play. out their, how the, <laughs> yeah, how their coach gets there from the airport and all that. And then that night, play against that team. You're going into a game knackered, presumably, because you've just done an eight-hour shift in the office. It's mad. So thankfully, it's moved on. It has progressed on. And I think there are still people that are part-time. I think that's important to remember. And and it's one of those things, the top end will always get recognised. You know what I mean? Whereas there's a lot of players in the WSL that do still work, might be teachers or whatever you might have it. So there's still a long way to go. But I think it's so important that, you know, Sky have got this massive TV deal, yeah, BBC, so, because now the games news, are on the TV and it's amazing. it is about visibility, isn't it? For Especially when you're younger, you want to see, like, obviously you had this, like, some, like, influence from your dad, but also you just had this thing and you were like, I'm going to do that. But it's so important for young women to see it as a viable career. Yeah. Something that yeah. they can really invest in. If they do really invest in it and play and really, that it's something that they can carry on and do, not just a sort of little Saturday pastime although that's all right too obviously but being able to yeah. see you out there doing it see the games realize that there's enough money to make a living it feels so important for people to see that yeah I was going to ask you because I'm a mum and uh, I was just wondering because obviously like men in football can carry on and have their families and do all of that kind of stuff it doesn't impact their game um what happens for women when they want to do that in the game that must be a huge part of women's like how long they can stay in the game for. Yeah, I mean, I think thankfully now it's a small process along the way. There's now people that, because you never used to get paid if you were pregnant and had the baby, but now there's like the thing in the contract that you still continue to get paid and and things like that in America and in England. Um, I I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. And there's some of my teammates that actually have kids and I do think it is more supported when I've been in America because their kids are allowed to come on the bus, they're allowed to fly with us, you know. A lot of them, and I think it's great for the kids to be around the camp as well. It feels good. You know, Katie Chapman, she's got three kids. And she, when she played with us in England, she used to bring them and stuff like that. But I didn't really ever feel like it was as supported as it was when I was in America because it was just normal for the kids to be around the camp. And it wasn't like you were asking, but how can you say that someone's asking for special treatment because they want their newborn baby to be with you? Like, that's your kid. So I think that it is difficult. I think these women are super women. Like some of our three kids have come back every single time and incredible. are in good shape and are able to play again. You know, Alex Morgan, one of the most, you know, successful, iconic players, she had a baby like I think just about a year ago and she came back, you know, after nine months and the impact on the body. I don't have yeah. any kids, but I think it's fantastic. I mean, I've had injuries. It's not the same, but the impact on your body when you have a child to be able to come back and play at that incredible. level, it is, it is incredible. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Part of the reason we started this podcast is we saw some quote that basically said that if you work in class, you spend your life trying to get away from your roots. And we were like, absolutely not. No. And that's so opposite to how we feel about it. And it's actually what made us want to do the podcast. What do you think, like, what advantages do you feel like growing up working class has given you, like, professionally and personally? Yeah, I think, like, the relatability of, like, being able to kind of hold my own in any situation mm. now... No, I didn't grow up in the ghetto or anything like that, you know, but at the same time, we were, there were kids that weren't as fortunate as I was, might not have had as much money, but the ice cream van used to always stop outside my mum and dad's house and it still does because my mum and dad are the kind of family that would buy everyone ice cream. Oh. And that's the truth. Till, till this day, the ice cream van stops outside our house. <laughs> so lovely. The ladies passed it down to her son and her daughters, but you know, that's the kind of family that we are. And I think having that diversity growing up in South East London in my school, in my class, like at school, everybody was different, all mm. different backgrounds, all different, you know, and, and it was kind of sad. It wasn't until non-uniform day, because I think that's what's important about wearing uniforms, even Agreed. though I hated it at the time, that it wasn't until non-uniform day that you thought, oh, I feel, you know, you felt a little bit like, oh, that maybe they ain't got much money. And that was kind of sad. Uh, yeah, you know I what know, I mean? Exactly it was. And I, I think that was why uniform is so important because mm. you're like, not that you have to have designer trainers and stuff, but you could kind of tell how much money people have based upon what they wore on an uniform. Yeah, band. 100%. So I think for me, growing up in such a diverse neighborhood and, you know, everyone was accepted, like whether you had loads of money, no money and pretty working class. So I think that really helped me to have that route of like, because now I can stay in really nice places and I can still go and stay in a not so nice place. I can I can do the yeah. best of both yeah. worlds. 
Yeah. I appreciate every single thing I do. People are like, oh, here she goes again. She's saying she's grateful for this, grateful for that. No, but I do. I, I'm so grateful for all the opportunities that I get, but I also visualize them and I, and I think about goals. You know, I set goals. Everything that's happening to me, I've set these goals to happen. Yeah. So I think sometimes people see you succeed and they think, oh, and I always talk about overnight success. I don't believe in it, but they no. see you succeed. And they think, oh, just woke up one morning, like Cristiano Ronaldo woke up and he's really good. No, <laughs> you don't see the work that he puts in behind on training ground every yeah. single day. So I just think, you know, for me growing up in South East London, I think it's really shaped me as a person mm. in the most amazing way. And that's why I'll always be grateful to be born in Lewisham Hospital. <laughs> that's where my son was born in Lewisham Hospital. Legends. Yeah. Every time I drive past there, right, whoever I'm with, I'll be like, say they don't know the hospital. I went, see that hospital there? They look and say, legends are born there. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so do I. Amazing. It's an interesting question me and Hannah always talk about is, what makes you working class? Is it your roots, where you feel comfortable, or is it what you've got right now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I do, but I don't think anyone, I think the, the problem is other people don't view me like that. Yeah. So I think like I do, I, I'm, like I said, I'll still get on the bus, still get on the train. I'll walk to my nans if I'm at my mum and dad. It's not a problem. But I think other people view me like I'm a millionaire. Yeah. And I'm not a millionaire yet, but for example, <laughs> like they'll say like my mum, say for example, my mum was taking care of someone's car on the driveway and it was a really nice car. My mum got loads of phone calls being like, oh, Leanne's got a brand new, like whatever car is. And mum's like, it's not Leanne's car. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like people yeah. view you in a different way. They'll be like, oh, what are you still doing around here? Well, yeah. why wouldn't I be around? Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. do think though, you have to remember there are people that do forget where they're from. Yeah. You know, 100%. and they do get carried away. So even though we don't, I think that comes from somewhere. I think stereotypes sometimes do come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes when people see me and I'll say hello to them, I don't remember, I don't forget a face and forget a name. They'll look at me as if to say, who's that? And then they'll, they'll realize it's me later because they don't think I'm going to be around this way. And yes. people still say to my mum and dad, they're like, surprised you still live around here with what Leanne's doing. And my mum and dad are like, what? Yeah. Well, why would, why would we not live here? Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why would we not live it? So it's other people that start to view you differently. I don't view myself any differently. Don't think I'm better than anybody. As you can tell, I've lived in America for 10 years. Haven't lost my Southeast London accent. Oh, you haven't. No. So, yeah. That's interesting because when I first started directing, um, I had a couple of bits of advice. One was that I should wear a suit, which was hilarious because <laughs> I'm like, I'm a similar thing. I was like, I'm not going to change how well, I, I dress. Things, or, so imagine you in a suit. Can you suit. imagine how awful I'd look like a bastard in a suit? I'm not wearing, I was like, no, I'm Hannah's not wearing a suit. small viewers. Yeah. Viewers, <laughs> listeners. Short and round would not look good in a suit. I was like, I'm not wearing a suit. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'd already got the job and they were like, we think people would take you more seriously in a suit. And I also got quite a lot of advice to change my accent. They're like, I think people would just take you more seriously. And I sort of take this perverse pleasure now in seeing when I walk into a room. I mean, I've been doing it longer now, so people know me a bit more, but still thinking, oh, people reckon I'm not like a theatre director. And I love, I sort of love it. I love that I don't mm-hmm. quite fit the mould. And over time, people go, oh, a bit like you're saying when you're like, you know, doing your stuff on Sky, people think, oh, actually, she's quite good at what she does. And I sort of like it now. I think, let them come to me. They'll see mm-hmm. that I can do what I'm good at. Mm. But it's it's funny, isn't it? It's still there, definitely. Right? You mean like the imposter syndrome is still there? Or yeah, like... I think other people's, the judgment that people make on you, in my case, definitely about the way I look, doesn't. I don't look like a theatre director. I don't really know what that means, Yeah, but, but I don't. The thing is, though, what does that look like? Though? Yeah. You know, like, just because you don't yeah. look like everybody else doesn't mean you don't look like one. It's what people are led to believe you're supposed to look like. Exactly. And the thing is, I I do look like a theatre director because I am. 
So that's how I think would help that though, wearing a suit. Suit, I'd just like to see that actually. (laughs) God, let's never ever do that. Actually, just talking about assumptions, um, I'm, I'm, a lot of people assume I'm straight, I'm gay. Um, and growing up sort of working class, I think I made it, I think I made an effort, I think, to look more straight, whatever that looks like. Um, and I used to, you know, I'd always be like really, really like sort of conscious of um, trying to dress girly growing up because I wanted, um, I didn't want anyone knowing that I was gay. Um, I found it difficult growing up in a very, very working class environment and being gay. That might just be my personal uh, journey. How did you find it as a gay woman? I know you're openly out um, and you're obviously the first. Were you what? Am I right in saying you were the first footballer to come out? Yeah, in England. And I think definitely yeah, in, in England. I wouldn't want to say bold statements like the world, but I think <laughs> I was one of the first. And that's yeah. the truth. Which right, is I think. so, so brave. I didn't feel very brave growing up. And it wasn't because my parents are amazing. They were amazing when they when I come out. But I just didn't grow up around. You didn't any, have anyone you knew. I didn't know it. Uh, yeah, I had no visibility. I, I didn't see anyone other than, I think, when Brookside came on and Anna Frail <laughs> um, kissed. Yeah, yeah. It's and true, that, that was when my, my tummy flipped and I was like, oh, what's that? And uh, how did you find it just growing up in a working class environment where, you know, you don't share your feelings much, you get on with it. And like, how was it for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I always feel like I'm a bit of a um, an alien when it comes to stuff like this. I do a lot of my stuff in the LGBTQ um, plus community. I do a lot of advocacy, but I never grew up um, knowing I was gay or feeling gay. I had boyfriends growing up. You know, it wasn't until I was 21 that I met my first partner at the time and thought, why not? Like mm. it, was, it was one of those things. And I think people sometimes... Um, say now well how did you not know you know you always get called a tomboy I hated that terminology when I was a kid oh there's Leanne the tomboy I hated it um but that's I'm thankfully people don't really talk about that anymore like people being tomboys because like what even does that mean do you know what I mean but um I think again I was lucky about my family mum and dad but I grew up in a family where I felt like I could be open with my emotions and feelings so whoever I brought home they would love that person because I loved them Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until, you know, I my first boyfriend, I've known him since I was um, seven years old and we got together when I was like 16, 17. So we'd known each other. Trust was a big thing for me because all the boys used to just want football tickets. Yeah, and say, yeah, yeah of football boost. So that was also a factor. And, you know, I hope he knows, I always think this, I hope he knows I did love him and I did like, enjoy being with him because I think sometimes it must be quite hard when you then see, you know, your girlfriend who you thought you were going to spend your life with now being with a woman and yeah. being so open about your sexuality. But I think the visibility for me growing up, there wasn't obviously many and it just felt natural for me. I mean, when people talk about a coming out story, like I didn't really feel like I had a big coming out story and I don't really like saying coming out because it's like coming out of what? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. me and I know I'm gay and I know this is, you know, I've got a lovely girlfriend, we're happy and, and I'm just lucky that I'm in that position where I'm so supported by everybody around me. But I do think that there are comments like growing up in South Alexander, there were comments. Everyone used to make comments and didn't even know they were derogatory or, you know, might be sexist, homophobic. But I think now people realise that they're not very nice comments to have been made. Mm. So, but people, people never used to correct people back in the day, did no, they? So anything, you yeah. could say, oh, you know, it's not so nice things, but you just used to think, oh, okay. We all did, didn't we? You never used 100%. to say, well, why are you saying that? No. But I think I've changed a lot of people's perceptions of gay people. Now, I'm not saying I'm some gay superhero. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. But I do think, you know, I've gone to countries like Qatar. 
which is not accepted. No, no, no. And I think like people say to me, oh, well, why are you going to Qatar? They don't like you. You're going against our community. Find me a person that's been able to open up a stadium, the main stadium, and do a women's football camp in Qatar at the main Khalifa Stadium. It's going to be used at the World Cup because I respect them, so they respect me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't see the groundwork that you're doing when you physically Mm -hmm. go somewhere. Now, if I got to Qatar and felt scared or in danger, I would have got on the first flight home. Yeah. But because I felt supported and because people supported me, and I think I've changed people's perceptions and hopefully if someone else goes there, they'll feel the same about them because I'm meeting really top people mm-hmm. and I'm being respectful of the culture and they're respecting me. A lot you of prejudice I mean? is yeah, born yeah. of lack of experience, isn't it? It's why you find racism and homophobia in communities that have the least experience of it, mm-hmm. of any sort of diversity. And that's often the case. Like one of the most important things is actually just getting to meet a human being and go, oh, that's just a yeah. person who has a different life to me, but they're just a person and giving people the opportunity to experience yeah. you no, as I think a human. So. The visibility is, is really important. And I guess Hugely, you yeah. don't realise the impact that you make until you get letters from parents and kids and, you know, people that are struggling with their sexuality. And I think to myself, I'm not a counsellor. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I usually pass them on to people because this is life-changing situations. Like people feel, you know, at times suicidal. They're seeking advice from me. And it's great they can do that because I'm a professional footballer and, you know, TV pundit, but I'm not an expert. So then I'm like, oh my God, like if people are messaging me on social media, I am going to respond because they're telling me how they feel about themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. With regard to stuff like that. But again, I'm not an expert. Just because I'm gay doesn't mean <laughs> I know all the answers. But it's nice that they can see me. Whereas, let's say 20 years ago, who does somebody go to when they mm. feel that way? Well, I've got don't. people telling me I've saved their lives. And that's so, it sounds mm. really, you know, dramatic. But that's what people have said. Because I'm able to be visible. And like I said, you don't realize the impact that you make on people until you get stuff like that. And, you know, I don't share it all. It's personal stuff, isn't it? What people yeah, send me on yeah. a letter and things and an email. But sometimes I share it with my mum and dad or my girlfriend and they're just like, wow, like this is unbelievable. And that's why I do hope that we live in a day where a male player does come out, not feeling forced or pressured, but because the visibility is so important for a young boy to see a male footballer come out it's so impactful and I've felt it myself when I've come out the impact that I've had Mm -hmm. so that's why I just hope that a player at some point soon feels supported enough to do that agreed yes brilliant point So, listen, we're coming to the end of our celebration of you, Leanne. Um, But before we finish, we always ask our guests to think of an unsung hero that they would like to celebrate. So who would you like to celebrate today? I think my mum and dad and my nan, really. I think, you know, people just adjusting their whole lives for me to be able to do what I do. And it's such a sacrifice for all my family. You know, I spoke earlier about my nan out the window watching me play football and, and stuff like that. Like, my mum changed her hours at work. My dad changed his hours at work. And honestly, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd be where I am now. So yeah. can't thank my family enough, really, for... I know a lot of people can say that about their families, but I genuinely feel so grateful because whenever I've also needed a pick-me-up, they've lifted me straight back up again. So I think people think sometimes you're just made of steel and nothing affects you mm-hmm. when it actually does. So, yeah, I think my mum and dad and definitely my uh, nan. Uh, so what's, um, what's their names? Oh, 
Joe and Jeff and Joyce. There you go. We're All J's. Amazing. All the J's, yeah. All the J's. Yeah. Oh, we're celebrating them today as well as Julianne. This has been so amazing. Thank you so much. We could have gone on for hours, but we better yeah, let honestly, you go back. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. You know, from one gay woman to another, you know, I'm, 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 I'm out. But, you know, because I play different characters, a lot of people sort of go, oh, you know, just assume I'm straight and whatever. And I'm not, I'm out. I don't wear it on my sleeve. It's just part of who I am. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, what you're doing is amazing, babe. And and for all those young girls, you know, like I think it's great. So keep on keeping Thank on, mate. You. Really great. I think the thing is, it's one of those things where if you have the platform to do it, then you have to do it. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Like, and again, we talk about visibility and it's so important. And everyone's journey is different. I never want people to feel you know, forced to come out course, because I no, did. No. It's all about everyone's individual journey. Of course. Um, but yeah, no, thank you guys. It's been amazing. Honestly, I've really enjoyed this. Oh my God, I love that. It. Obviously, amazing. I mean, obviously being a big footy fan, it was just so, so insightful. And, you know, for someone that nearly went down that path, just seeing like... I just found it so enlightening and and she, what I love about Leanne is like that she doesn't concentrate on the negatives that she's mm. saying let's look forward let's look at all the positivities that that's happening in the women's game and 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 the change that's happening that we're on TV now and it's important that we look at that and and I think that's such a nice thing in life isn't it to just try and look at well it's positive it's changing it might be small but it's moving in the right direction and I just found that She's awesome, isn't she? I mean, obviously, you know, it's no secret I'm not as footy literate as you are, but I just thought, you know, if you want to look in the dictionary for the definition of smashing the glass ceiling, I think you're going to find Leanne's (laughs) name there. I'm just absolutely brilliant. Hope you enjoyed that, listener, and join us again for the next episode where we'll be speaking to someone equally as inspiring. Thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. Proper Class Podcast is produced by Michelle Farscott for Rangaby Productions, edited by James Torrance, with music by Tommy Music. This episode was recorded at the Umbrella Rooms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you want to find out more about Hannah and Laura and why they wanted to do the Proper Class podcast, check out the bonus episode available now.